Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Political Science 150 podcast here for week five of the course. This is the first week of the second part of the course on systems and concepts, where we're going to be trying to explore areas of the political realm, both in terms of geographic properties, but also in terms of conceptual properties and also systemic properties. And so for the podcast this week, we're going to be looking at the international system and particularly focusing in on this word system, right? And I think system and thinking about the international system is a way to hopefully provide a new frame of reference for thinking about the global order, the global political order, and for thinking about not just that you live in Japan or maybe you live in a different country or living in a, in a certain city, but also thinking that you're living in a certain global system, right? The system of states. Often we look at like a globe and it has all of the states and they're colored differently and, and so on and so forth. And it can give us an, a sense of permanence that I think is very misleading, right? That we are living in the very early part of this completely new system for organizing global politics, economics, um, and, and a host of other issue areas, right? And we can certainly see the systemic nature of the system we live in come through in terms of the pandemic, right? That the COVID pandemic is truly a global event, and it's very difficult for any one society to close itself off or isolate itself from the effects, not just in terms of the actual disease or virus, but also in terms of the economic and other social and political effects. And so thinking about the international system, I think allows us to explore some very interesting and dare I say, I know it's a word I use a lot in these podcasts, um, mysterious, right? Mysterious, again, not meaning that it's completely unknowable, but mysterious in thinking about that it presents itself as something very concrete and real. But again, once we start to scratch the surface, things become a little bit more complicated and perhaps a bit more confusing. But one way I kind of want to think about approaching this is through this notion of states, right? We live, you know, the world system today, there's a lot of other aspects to it, but by and large, it's a system of states, right? Japan, Germany, France, Brazil, Peru, South Africa, Botswana, United States, what have you. And the system is predicated on these notions of sovereignty, right? And that each state is supposed to have a certain amount of control or independence. And, and this is where it leads to some interesting kind of paradoxes, right? Because where does that sovereignty come from? And the more we think about it, I think the more you, you start to say, well, if it was just the case that any group that claimed any territory would just say it was sovereign, then that wouldn't really be a good way to think about it. Because then, like, if we were in the classroom and we said, okay, we're political science 150, we're an independent sovereign state, we could declare that and we'd be a group of people declaring sovereignty, but I don't think many people would take it very seriously, right? Obviously. So that's not enough. So if it's not enough to just say we're a group of people that are claiming sovereignty, what distinguishes in this system, right? And this goes back to the word, under this system, what makes something recognizably sovereign or officially sovereign or somewhat of a legally sovereign, right? Um, how does that happen? And what's interesting about this, and this is where I think it does kind of have some paradoxical features, is that 
states are sovereign in, to the extent that they are accepted as sovereign by other states. Which is interesting because sovereignty itself is supposed to be this ultimate expression of independence and autonomy. But here we can see that in, in its core, in its kind of essence or essential kind of function, sovereignty requires the acknowledgement and recognition of other states. And this is going to open up another interesting question, right? So we have this kind of paradoxical relationship where sovereignty means that we can do what we want, quote unquote, and make our own laws and make our own rules and, and govern ourselves. But the recognition from others is ultimately, it's ultimately predicated on the recognition from others, which is obviously something that you don't control autonomously or, or within your own borders. But then it gets to the question of, okay, well then, okay, states then get to decide or who they want to recognize. And if you get a lot of states, now here's where it gets again fuzzy. How many states need to say that recognize you as the sovereign country? And, and is it 50%, 60%, 70%, 80%? So there's, there is, you know, there are some t internal aspects of it, right? You do actually need to be able to control or at least attempt to control and govern a certain territory. And we'll talk more about this in the class. But at the same time, what threshold do you need to meet in terms of recognition? And that points to a, a difficult question. But again, we keep circling back to the systemic properties, right? That systems require different parts to move in certain ways to make it work. And so no state can just automatically be sovereign. It requires other pieces of the system to work in that way. But then it leads to other questions about what extent is, is other states' recognition needed? Um, and we'll discuss this more um, in the class this week, but I, I just kind of want to leave that out there. But it gets even a little bit stranger when we start to think about, well, hold on. So who gets to decide other states? Well, who gets to decide that their states are recognized? Other states. I, I know I'm not trying to make you, you know, but I think this is a bit mind bending. Like states decide that other states are s states, but their status as sovereign states is also decided by other states. So what you can see is it's a big circle, right? And there is no ultimate state that decides that everyone's a state, but it's a, it's a, it's a self-reinforcing circle where I recognize these states, these states recognize us, and it's this mutual recognition. Um, in some ways, it conjures this notion of intersubjectivity uh, that we talked about last week um, with the interpretivist, right? This, this notion of intersubjectivity, that things are created between things rather than two individuals creating something independently or having them interact in, you know, coming from two kind of standalone independent sources. And we can see this with this notion of sovereignty. And then we get into these bizarre cases like the state of Kosovo that is recognized almost by exactly half the countries in the world as sovereign and not recognized by the other half. So is Kosovo a state? It's really hard to say. It depends on where you are. Right, but it it can't be both, right? And and so sovereignty has this kind of absolute property of you're either a recognized sovereign state or you're not. But Kosovo and a host of other areas, I think, lead us to see that this notion is far more open to gray areas and, and imprecision than we would commonly think if we just looked at the map and saw a bunch of different colored lines and 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 countries colored different colors and a nice little grid. Um, of different states. Okay, so I'm going to leave it there for today. So I, I just wanted to throw this out there. I know there might you might have a lot of questions and I'm interested to hear what kind of thoughts you have um, from either our talk here in the podcast or from the readings and 
class notes if you wanted to take a look at those. But the main goal for this is to just take a step back and think about what it means for the international order to be a system. And thinking about where, because it's going to be our topic in class on Monday, is thinking about where this system came from and how this system is somewhat different from systems that came before it, right? So certainly we live under this system of states, but it's this isn't the first international system, but it is certainly probably more expansive and more uniform than other international systems. And so this sets us up nicely because in the week, next week, we're going to start talking about the state itself, right? But I think first we need to think about the international system as a system of states that kind of mutually recognize each other to produce this functioning or somewhat functioning system. Okay, so I'm just going to leave it there. And again, hopefully that's just got us started to think about the international order as a system rather than just a collection of individual states that that it has these systemic properties that work in kind of this notion of mutual recognition and various pieces functioning in tandem to make the system work just like any other kind of systemic order i look forward as always to checking your comments and reading your questions thank you so much for listening